Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson, filling in for Sean Kelly, who has the morning off as the team got in late last night from Cleveland. And before I go any further with today's show, I just want to say happy Veterans Day, and I want to personally thank all the men and women who have served or are currently serving in our military. Thank you for serving our country and protecting our freedom. So, again, very thankful for all the military personnel who are serving right now or have served for this country. We should be thanking you every day, but especially today from the Saints and the Pelicans. Thank you for your service. Okay, now back to the show. Unfortunately, the Pelicans couldn't hold on to a first-half 12-point lead against the Cavs as Cleveland outscored the Pelicans in the second half 67-55 to beat New Orleans 118-111. LeBron James and Kyrie Irving each had 32 points in the win after they each topped 30 points in the Cavs' loss to the Jazz last Wednesday. And according to Elias, they are the first pair of number one overall picks to score 30 points for a team in one game since Allen Iverson and Chris Webber did so seven times for Philly in 05 and 06. Ryan Anderson had a great night for the Pelicans. Season-high 32 points. Tied a career-high hitting eight three-pointers. Anthony Davis had another double-double. 27 points, grabbing 14 rebounds and blocking three shots. I'll have more particulars on this game in our next segment. Also, Monday Night Football last night. Eagles. No Nick Foles. No problem for Philly. Mark Sanchez threw for two touchdowns. Sproles had a running and punt return for a touchdown. And Philly took down Carolina 45 the 21, and I know Saints fans are disappointed about how Sunday went, but if we want to take a positive away from this weekend, Saints still sit atop the NFC South at 4-5. and five. Carolina one game back at 3-6-1. and one. Same goes for the Falcons at 3-6, and six. and Carolina and Atlanta play each other this Sunday, and so it's never too early to start previewing the Saints' next game, and we'll do that today with Jeff Hobson, who is the website editor and contributor to Bengals.com. He'll be on to preview Bengals Saints, so a big one for both teams this weekend. The Bengals coming off a tough loss against the Browns on Thursday Night Football. Also, we haven't talked to this guy in a while, but Mark Spears, NBA writer for Yahoo.com, will come on to talk about the Pelicans and some of the storylines from around the league. He considers New Orleans his second home as he has a lot of family here. His parents live in the Harvey area, so uh, we'll have him on to talk about the Pelicans and uh, his power rankings. I'm going to give him a little 
little tough love about his power rankings. He uh, dropped the Pelicans four spots this week. Everyone else had moved the Pelicans up two or three spots, but Mark Spears, mm -mm -mm, minus four. I'm not liking that, Mark. We'll talk about that with him later on. But a great show lined up for you today. Let's get started. We'll begin by recapping last night's Pelicans game. You'll hear from head coach Monty Williams and Anthony Davis next on the Black and Blue Report. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City, to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state, and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. This is Anthony Davis, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. So again, last night the Pelicans fell to the Cavs 118-111 to split the two-game road trip after winning Saturday against the San Antonio Spurs. The Pelicans fall back to 500 at 3-3, three and three, and Sean Kelly spoke to head coach Monty Williams following the loss. Coach, what did they get you tonight? They, our defense got us tonight. We didn't play much. Um, they scored 67 points in the second half, but I, I thought even in the first half our defense wasn't that great. A 27-point quarter in the second. And our shot selection um, tonight was uh, poor. And um, it's one of those things that we have to understand how we won a game in San Antonio. we got to play the same way, and we got to trust our defense. Um, I thought some of the tough shots that we made in the first half uh, put us in a sleep mode on defense. And so we started trading baskets. And we didn't do a good job of finishing in the paint tonight. We were 19 for 44 in the paint. But at the same time, they they uh, put us in tough positions as well. I mean, you look at their numbers offensively. Those guys did a good job. LeBron had 32. Kyrie had 32. And uh, Love had nine three-point attempts. And that, that's not something that um, I thought we focused on well tonight was keeping them off the three-point line. Coach, is it disappointing because of the way you guys started this road trip at San Antonio? Yeah, it is disappointing, and yet uh, it's a pretty good trip. When we play, uh, played two of the best teams in the NBA, had a chance to beat both of them, beat one of them. Um, it stings a little bit because we had this game in our hands, and we kind of let it go in the third quarter. Uh, obviously, we, we got to learn from this and, and get back home and we're going to watch a lot of film and watch our defense because I, I think we've slipped a little bit in the last uh, tonight for sure. Coach, did Evans having an off night um, play a role in this? Probably. I mean, he, you know, he's two for 14. I'm not sure how many of those were in the paint tonight. You know, he didn't finish like he typically did, but that wasn't the reason. I thought it was a, uh, a lot of things that didn't go well for us. Um, our shooting numbers aren't that great. I mean, 44% um, with all the shots we had in the paint. Um, only 20 free throws with a physical game. And you look at all the shots we had in the paint, we only got 20 free throws. So uh, I, I thought we were floating the ball a lot tonight as opposed to going to the basket strong. Uh, 
trying not to get our shots blocked, and um, uh, that, that's a bit passive. Money the third quarter in particular yeah. defensively, what was the breakdown there with Kyrie? Just and guarding LeBron? the ball. You know, those guys were they're two of the best at attacking, and uh, we didn't do a particularly good job guarding the ball. Our helps were not as good as they were the night before against San Antonio. Uh, Tony had his way with us in the first half. Uh, and it wasn't Drew, it was the help. In the second half, we did a much better job. Tonight, we didn't uh, capitalize on that growth that we should have gotten from the San Antonio game. So let's go over the box score from last night's game. As I mentioned in the first segment, Anthony Davis with 27 points, 14 rebounds, and uh, three block shots. Another double-double for him, 12 of 21 shooting. Ryan Anderson, red hot last night, 32 points, 8 of 12 shooting from downtown. Those eight three-pointers Ties a career high, 23 of those 32 came in the first half. Drew Holiday, 16 points, 5 of 12 shooting. Eric Gordon, 10 points, 4 of 11 shooting. Tyreek Evans, he struggled last night, 6 points, 10 assists, 4 rebounds, 2 of 14 shooting from the field. The Pelicans shot 41 of 93 from the field, 44%, 12 of 27 from downtown, and 17 of 20 from the charity stripe, so only going to the foul line 20 times. But if you want to take a positive, Seven turnovers for the Pelicans. Not bad for them. Only 10 points off those turnovers for the Cavs. I mentioned Kyrie and LeBron both had 32 points. LeBron with a triple-double, his first of the season. 12 rebounds, 10 assists to go along with those 32 points. 9 of 17 from the field and 13 of 17 from the line. Kevin Love, 22 points and 5 rebounds. 7 of 13, 6 of 9 from downtown. And Kyrie Irving, 32 points, 9 assists, 11 of 21 shooting from the field and the Cavs shot nearly 50% from the field 40 of 81 13 of 27 from downtown and they went to the free throw line 10 more times and the Pelicans 25 of 30 they turned the ball over 10 times 17 points off those turnovers for the Pelicans and as I mentioned Anthony Davis another great night for him and after the game he spoke to the media inside the Pelicans locker room Anthony coach talked about defensive breakdowns tonight in the second half how so what were some of them that started in the third quarter um, <clears throat> I got a lot of points in transition. You know, that was the beginning of it all. Um, some of it, they just made shots. Uh, kind of lost guys on back doors. They were rebounding the ball, offensive rebounding. Um, easy looks, you know, uh, easy layups, uncontested shots. So, um, let them score 118 points, you know, against, you know, um, our defense. Um, and we can't allow ourselves to do that. How, how much do you like the challenge and then the disappointment of going against the best like LeBron? Well, I always love the challenge. You know, I um, think in order for you to um, become one of the best, you have to, you know, play the best and, you know, learn from them. Um, you know, love playing against LeBron, you know, and, you know, the Cavs. Um, they're a tough team. You know, got three players who can score the ball at will. And um, we just broke down defensively tonight. Ted, going into the second half at halftime, did you guys feel pretty good about where you were, the way you had played? Uh, we felt good offensively. I mean, we made shots, but like I said, defensively, we knew we wasn't in it. <clears throat> um, they were going to make runs. We knew that. Um, like I said, they got three you know, guys on our team who can score well and then got good role players who can make shots. So um, we knew we had to defend, and, and we did it in that second half, and um, they came out with a win. No, we wasn't guarding the ball. Um, you know, the guards wasn't guarding the ball. The bigs wasn't, you know, helping. 
you know, so it was a team thing, you know, um, at the end, we were down two. <clears throat> I gave up the corner three to Kev, um, and, you know, it was tough, you know, um, but we just wasn't in it defensively tonight, and uh, we can't allow ourselves to do that. We want to win ball games. How difficult is it when a guy like Luck gets out there and, you know, he can make those threes and he's down and like that? No, I'm not tough because I got Ryan Anderson on my team, so I go against that in practice every day. But um, you know, the thing is, you know, LeBron and, and Kyle really look for him. You know, um, and he's a big key part to the team. So. No, you give him any room, he's going to knock it down. So the Pelicans will practice today and get ready for a two-game homestand that starts with the Lakers tomorrow night and ends with the Minnesota Timberwolves Friday night. So when we come back, we'll stick with basketball and bring in Mark Spears and uh, from Yahoo Sports NBA as he'll talk a little Pelicans and he'll talk about some storylines around the league. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in one minute. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Welcome back to the show. Time now to talk more hoops with Mark Spears, NBA writer for Yahoo Sports. Mark, it's been a while. Glad you can come on the show with me. Oh, man, just excited. Uh, I was always to talk to my, my folks back there. Most of my family's from there, so I'll make sure they listen. Absolutely. Now, Mark, in your latest power rankings, you had the Pelicans dropping from 12 to 16. So for someone that considers New Orleans a second home, where is the love, Mark? <laughs> you know what? Uh, with the power records, I wouldn't get too hot or too cold about what's going on now. It's early. Know. You know, it's it's really actually hard to put these guys in order now because everything changes so dramatically in the, in the first couple weeks of the season, you know. Um Sacramento starts off real, real high, and then they have a bad loss in OKC. So I, I think after the first month of the season, you'll see a more realistic power rankings about, you know, and, and for, for New Orleans fans and for fans of the team, be worried about where I rank you in um, April. There you go. <laughs> That's very true. Don't lose, don't, don't lose too much sleep about your ranking right now. Oh no, I, I'm sure that I'm sure they're not. But uh, Mark, what is the criteria when you look into these power rankings? I know obviously their st- their record has something to do with it, but is it for you how teams are looking when they are playing certain opponents, or how? What's your criteria for these power rankings? You know, it's it's the uh, record. It's um, you know, obviously your injury situation has a lot to do with it mm-hmm. because, like, look at Oklahoma City, look at Indiana. Um, their record is, is certainly in the, the way they're playing and uh, what kind of opponent, future opponent they are is a lot based on the injuries that they have. So it, it pushes them back. Um, 
I weigh teams differently that are from the Western Conference. I almost give them a little bit extra. If you if you look at my rankings, um, for the most part, the, the Western teams uh, say uh, a Western Conference team is four and three, and the Eastern Conference team is four and two. I usually give the nod to the West Western Conference team because I know they're playing against tougher opponents. Uh, from what I remember, the um, the West was actually fourteen and three. Yeah, against the the East at the start of the season, so uh, I, I give the West a little bit of benefit of the doubt. But right now, it's, it's just hard because there just haven't really been enough games to to strongly gauge. And um, you know, I watched the Pelicans against Cleveland, and although they lost, I, I saw some good things. Um, so they're a team that I, I think they certainly could fluctuate. Um, but they definitely have a marquee guy that, that has the opportunity to push them into the playoffs and, and get them into the top ten. I'm glad you brought up the Pelicans and Anthony Davis. You said you watched the game last night, and you said you've seen some good things. So with a 3-3 three and three start, what are some of those good things you've seen from the Pelicans? Well, I mean, Anthony Davis looks like a star. There's not flashes anymore. He is a star. And, he'll, uh, you know, some might have said that maybe he got, a, he got the all-star nod, but – it didn't really feel like he was a, uh, I don't know. Um, he he just seemed kind of like a new addition, a guy that you know he he, he didn't get it the old fashioned way. He's gonna get it the old fashioned way this time. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he got voted in, but even if he doesn't get voted in, he'll he'll be put in. There there won't be any um, late addition to the game or anything like that. Um, I think this kid is is got superstar written all over him and, and and it's being written now he's got the strength he has athleticism and he has he seems to be playing with a chip on his shoulder now um ever since he's come back from from usa you know that usa experience i think was great for him but he's like dunking things in. he's being physical it's almost like he's punishing the people that were beating up on him because he was so slight of weight and mm-hmm. everything from the beginning uh, of his career, and I, I remember late in his rookie career, they were uncomfortable playing him because he had lost weight and uh, was sick. And um, now it seems like, okay, I'm gonna pick on, I'm gonna get back at all the bullies <laughs> that beat up on me when I first got here. And as he continues to get stronger, he's gonna become more of a force. And and that's why I think it's important for the Pelicans to run because he he's gonna clean up glass and dunk things back in. One thing I'd like to see more is more post game, mm-hmm. you know, more more post moves, and um, as he gets stronger, I mean, he should be able to do it. But he's just so much taller and quicker, and I know he could do stuff off the dribble. I know he could shoot the mid range, but if, if he could master the post, what can you do to stop him? All right, absolutely. Um, now you mentioned we talked about the power rankings being a little too early to start worrying about those. It's probably a little too early to start talking about MVP talk. But with Davis top five in scoring, rebounds, blocks, yeah. and steals, if he keeps these numbers up, will he have a chance to win the MVP? Or is it also going to come down to how many wins the Pelicans have at the end of the season? Uh, I think it's the latter too. I mean, I know the game is going to be there. In fact, I actually put in my rankings this week that Monday's game could be a MVP race preview. You mm-hmm. know. I certainly expect him to be an all-NBA first-team guy. Um, 
Uh, I, I expect him to be in the MVP race all season. But ultimately, if your team doesn't make the playoffs or if your team kind of sneaks in the playoffs, like if if he has just this monster season and they make the playoffs, he has a shot. He has a shot. But I think because right now with Kevin Durant being out, I mean, it's really wide open. Who's 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 really LeBron's competition? Yeah, that's a good point. It, uh, it's Stephen little... Curry, perhaps? Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some might want to give LeBron the trophy now, even though he, he has to pick it up in a lot of ways, too. But um, I definitely think if that's the key to me, is Anthony has to get him into the playoffs. And if he could somehow get it, where they get in as not like a ace or a sneak in, like if they could somehow be good enough to get like five, six, seven, hey, hey. <laughs> it certainly it certainly raises the level of the conversation. All right, all right, I'll take it, uh, Mark. It's been two weeks since the regular season started. In those two weeks, what has surprised you the most around the league? Um, the Kings start. Very, very surprised by that. Um, I did not see that coming. I live in Northern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll see how long that lasts. They lost OKC, so that could, you know, certainly go backwards. Um, the amount of injuries has been really sad just throughout the league. I mean, it, see, like a team like Indiana and an OKC, a team that you, you could have made a projection if health, if both teams were healthy that they could be in the finals, just get decimated by injuries the way that they are. It's just sad, and, and it just seems like a bad bug throughout the league. And I know that they won't change the 82-game season, and I don't want them to. I'm a traditionalist. I like the 82-game season, but I'm with Doc Rivers, um, the Clippers coach, who said, you know, cut the preseason games down to four and add a week to the season in time. Mm-hmm. And just stretch it out, you know, because I, I think if there are less back-to-backs, if the season was a little bit longer, if you made it like a week longer, you just just add more about a week more to the season, maybe there wouldn't be as many injuries. Because I, I do think all these preseason games are a waste. These guys could probably play, play three and be ready. They don't need six. I mean, eight. It's um. I don't even know how much of a money maker it is either. Right. You know, to me, I, if I was a team, I wouldn't play any preseason games at home. I, I'd send them all to, you know, if I'm New Orleans, I, I'll play one. I play them all over Louisiana and Mississippi, and maybe even Pensacola, just to promote the team to try to get people to fall in love with Pelicans basketball that haven't, you know, got to see it. And uh, every just basically put games all over your TV market yeah. um, to to push the brand. Um, and it seems like the TV, what the TV deal has gotten a little bit better there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Seventy-seven of the eighty-two games this year, and um, I agree with you with the preseason games. I mean, I remember my first year here, the lockout year, to two preseason games we played Memphis at home and then against them on the road, and that was perfect. I thought, give them two games, they have their training camp, and let's yeah. start. Two is like three. To me, three would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Three, four is enough. Six, eight, it's just a waste of time. Um, and then, you know, I think these guys would like more time in training camp, too. I mean, the product would be better. Maybe that's something they talk about in the next collective bargaining agreement, but I do think all these preseason games – 
in the NBA and the NFL are, are, are a waste. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about, you mentioned OKC, 2-5. and five. They're struggling without Westbrook and Durant. Now, I mean, we don't know when Westbrook's going to come back. We know Durant's going to come back in probably December. Can they stay afloat long enough so that when those two come back, they still have a shot at the playoffs? Or is it going to be tough for them, given this, uh, how tough the West is right now? Well, I think they got to be both back by, you know, in January would help, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, right now their record is awful. Um, they're falling behind. But the scary thing about it is when you have a guy like Westbrook and, and, and Durant, when they come back, they're going to come back with a vengeance, uh, taking every game like it's a playoff game, a real focus. And they could end up being a sixth, seventh, eighth seed team, which would be frightening for a team that earned a one, two, three seed. Right. Very, very possible. And let's save this part of the tape, but I wonder if they're a team that New Orleans end up fighting for for one of the last playoff spots, too. Yeah. That's a good you know, point. That's very, very possible. Like, do you want to fight with OKC for a playoff spot? You know, um, but in the Western Conference, the margin of error is very, very slim. Right. And you have to be focused. It could be one game that could, you know, push you out or push you to the eighth spot. So, you know, I hope that's something that that, that I don't know if the Pelicans know that because they just haven't been there, but they need to know that. Like. Every game, they have to take it more serious than probably most teams because they they have to get over that hump to get to the playoffs, and and I think they have the talent to do it. I, I like I like their roster. Um, I like I love Anthony, Anthony Davis's game and the, and the leadership he's starting to show, and they could be there, man. I, I expect them to be there. This this should be the year where I remember when I covered the Denver Nuggets when Carmelo came. They hadn't been to the playoffs in like 10 years. And then since then, they had been there every year, you know, and, until I think um, last season they didn't make it, correct? Yeah. So there was a nice string that happened when, when Carmelo went where you, you just forgot about the past and you just felt that the Nuggets would be in the playoffs every year. And I think this could be the start of it for the Pelicans. Now, given that the wet, the division, Southwest Division, four of the five teams made the playoffs last year, the Pelicans were not. Can we see a division that has all five teams make the playoffs? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, your, your division's pretty good, right? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> I mean, Houston, Houston, Dallas, Memphis, and San Antonio. I mean, I don't know. Do it's you, on, do you see one of them dropping? <laughs> <laughs> it's odd, y'all. Yeah, I, I can certainly see it because – I don't think Utah makes it, you know. The Lakers aren't. Yeah, no, it, it's it's. This is to me. This is the year where the Pelicans have to make it. I think they have to make it. They have to. It's, it's their time, you know. Yeah. They got the talent, and you know, I'm, and I'm sure there's pressure from the ownership, but still relatively new, who's been showing confidence in the in the regime that was there when they got there to, to get it there. So I'm sure Big Brother is watching, driving his Mercedes around. <laughs> like, okay, let's let's do it. It's time for, for the Pelicans to be in the playoffs too. Absolutely. I'm with you there. That's Mark Spears, NBA writer for Yahoo.com. Mark, since this is your second home in New Orleans, when will we see you here next and maybe to catch a Pelicans game? 
you know what? This game ended up becoming a better game than I thought, but I'm going to be at the Kings game. Okay, yeah. The Kings-Pelicans uh, game Thanksgiving week. Um, I always cover uh, a game on Christmas, and this year it will be Cleveland at Miami, so I have to be forced to spend Christmas in Miami. But, uh, oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> um, one cool thing that Yahoo does is because I work on Christmas, they, they let me go see my, my folks. My parents live in Harvey. Okay. Um, so I get to get that great New Orleans cooking, man. In fact, my aunt, Cheryl, who's the best hairstylist, and Cheryl Patterson, the best hairstylist in New Orleans, she's supposed to teach me her the family gumbo recipe, too. Oh, boy. And you'll share that with us, right? Or at least share some of the gumbo, at least. The gumbo. Yes. Yeah. You know, don't share the recipe. And, just share and, the gumbo and with us. I swear to you, man, and I know people say this, but I've never tasted any gumbo as good as hers. All right. Well, you know where to find us uh, in Metairie here at... Uh, Airline Drive, uh, make sure you stop by like, with some man, of that gumbo. You can get gumbo anytime. It's no big deal. I know, but if you're talking about how good this gumbo is, no, then... Uh, it's outstanding. Come by, man. Come by. Okay. I'm with you. You're welcome. I'm I, sure you'll have 100 places to go. Are you guys even going to be on the road, or what are you guys going to uh, Sean and them will be on the road. I think they leave Thanksgiving Day. We have an East Coast swing. Well, if you yeah, want at Atlanta and at Washington. But uh, I'm, I'm going to be here, so I might hit you up for some, uh, for some gumbo. You and DeShazer come by. I got got something for you. Ask DeShazer. Yeah. DeShazer's had it. You'll be my date. Yeah. All right. I'm serious. Ask DeShazer. I, I will. I will. JD has a day off today, but I'll ask him when he gets in tomorrow. And, uh, Mark, I appreciate your time here on the Black and Blue Report. And um, I'll tell the people how wonderful the gumbo is when I get to try it in a few weeks. Thanks for coming on. All right, brother. Take care. Yep. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to football and start previewing Bengals Saints with Bengals.com contributor Jeff Hobson. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home, where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. As we try to do every Tuesday, we like to bring in a writer from the next opponent of the Saints. And since the Saints take on the Bengals this Sunday, we welcome in Jeff Hobson, website editor for Bengals.com. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Dana, thanks for having me. No problem, Jeff. The Bengals are coming off a pretty bad loss on Thursday night football, losing to the Browns 24-3. to And uh, since then, what is the mood like at Bengals camp? Haven't seen much of them. You know, uh, they had the weekend off, you know, which was probably a good mood which was probably a good move. And then, uh, you know, Monday uh, was a brief uh, walkthrough. Uh, but, you know, talking to some of the guys, uh, you know, they obviously were stunned with what happened. Uh, but, you know, 
I mean, enough of them watched uh, what unfolded on a Sunday, and uh, you know, the league is. I mean, I mean, it's anybody's league, really. I mean, if you've got a winning record at this point, uh, you know, the world's your oyster. And I think they feel like you know they've won enough games. Uh, you know, this this core, uh, the uh, the Green Dalton Bengals core has won enough games that uh, they realize with a good in November and December they can, uh, you know, they can wipe away a lot of the uh, bad stuff. And Andy Dalton, uh, by far played, I would say, his worst game of the season. Three interceptions, completing only 10 passes for over 80 yards. Was it the Browns' defense that just had his number, or was it Andy having an off night, or was it a little combination of both? Well, I think it's, I mean, it, I mean, as it always is, it's, all, it's, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, uh, Dalton played the worst game of his career. He had some help, too. You know, I, I, I don't think the line played particularly well at times. His receivers uh, didn't, didn't – uh, you know, make the right move. He didn't run the right routes at times, and uh, he was, you know, he was the number one culprit with uh, some misreads and uh, some inaccurate throws. But like I said, he had some help, and I, I think they probably could have uh, run the ball better. I'm not sure. You know, the, the Browns played a fine game on defense, but I'm not sure that was. Uh, you know, I'm not sure they did a lot. You know, they ba- it was pretty simple. Uh, they basically uh, uh, played an eight-man front and bared the receivers to beat them. And uh, they didn't do it. So, uh, you know, I mean, at that point, uh, you know, it's back to the drawing board. So, uh, yeah, Dalton didn't play well. Uh, but, uh, he, you know, and he's got to take the main blame because he was terrible. But, uh, you know, there was, you know, there are some other issues there, too, that have to be shored up. Jeff, every team in the Bengals division, including the Bengals, are two or three games over 500, which is crazy to think about after nine weeks. And with Cincinnati only playing two more home games the rest of the season, do you feel like there's a sense of urgency with this team right now? Oh well, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, there was a there was a sense of urgency at this homestand. Remember, mm-hmm. they played uh, before they go, they play they play you guys, they play uh, they play Houston, and they play Tampa all in a row on the road. Uh, but before that, they had three home games, so there was urgency for those three home games because they knew what was ahead of them. Uh, you know, and, um, uh, and 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 the two home games they have are against Roethlisberger and Manning and, and Peyton Manning. So. Yeah. You know they've got a they've got a hell of a schedule in 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 uh, in front of them, and they and they've known that. So that's why I think uh, there has been a sense of urgency, although they certainly didn't play like it Thursday uh, Thursday night. But they know, you know, certainly they know what's in front of them. Uh, they're going into a building where the Saints rarely lose. To make it tougher, they're coming off a loss. How many times do they lose back to back in the dome? You've probably got that handy right. Right there, right. Uh, not a lot. Breeze <laughs> and Peyton, I'm sure you can count the time in their hands. They've lost back-to-back home games, uh, so you know I think it's uh, and, and they've had a they've had a bad history in Houston, mm-hmm. so which is next. So I think that uh, these guys understand. It. Like I said, they've won they've they've won a hell of a lot of games since 2011. Not many of them have been prime time in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but they've won 35 of them. So. Uh, I think what they're trying to do is they, they they're trying to regroup and uh, find that find that mentality that got them into the playoffs the last three Novembers and Decembers. Absolutely, we're talking with Jeff Hobson, website editor and contributor for Bengals. dot com. Jeff, everyone knows what AJ Green is capable of doing, uh, but a player that stuck out to me in the wide receiver group is Mohamed Sanu. Um, with AJ missing some games, how much has Sanu stepped up for the Bengals this season? Well, Sanu was their first half MVP, I, I no doubt. Uh, he played like a number one receiver when A.J. was down, plain and simple. And, uh, 
You know, he's not he's not a really fast guy. He's not a really big guy, but he's smart. He's tough. You know, he's six two. He's two ten. Uh, plays one hundred and fifty percent all the time, and he can do anything. I mean, he can. He, he. I mean, you know, I think he's seen as a slot guy. You know, but he proved that he can he can make some noise outside when he doesn't have. I mean, you know, you got to realize when he put up these hundred yard games, the Bengals did not have their you know did not have their three best vertical threats on the field. Tyler Eifert, their tight end, Marvin Jones, and A.J. Green, their two receivers. And uh, so that was, you know, that, that, that shows you what he could do, what he's capable of. But he's also, you know, he's a, he's a hell of a passer. Um, he, can, he can line up in the backfield. Uh, he could play some wildcat for you. He's obviously very strong in a slot. Uh, and, he, and, he, and he obviously proved that he can play outside. So, I mean, the guy's been, the guy's been terrific. And when, uh, it, it would be hard to think where they would be without Sanu, given, given, given that A.J.'s missed four games. At the same time, with Giovanni Bernard um, out and um, maybe questionable for this Sunday's game, how about Jeremy Hill stepping up in the running game? Yeah, uh, Louisiana's own. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's amazing, but Jeremy, uh, but Jeremy Hill out of Baton Rouge has never played in the Superdome, which is, uh, even though he's <laughs> played at LSU, uh, it's kind of amazing. Uh, he's looking forward to doing that. But, uh, you know, he's been... Uh, he's been as advertised. He's a big back who's fast, and uh, you know he can he can run away from you. You know he uh, he closed out he closed out Jacksonville with a 60-yard run in the uh, in the uh, fourth quarter, and uh, you know he's at 4.7 yards per carry. And uh, you know the Bengals haven't had somebody like that. I mean, the last guy to go at least 4.7 with that many carries was Corey Dillon in his rookie year. Uh, you know, I mean, I think Jeremy's on pace for like 154 carries or something like that so um you know we'll see if he can keep that up but uh you know he's 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 a guy that uh you know he's a bell cow kind of guy and uh with him and i mean they got high hopes with him and giovanni when they're together you know if he can give them if he can give them you know 13 14 15 carries per game you know that's a pretty good uh one-two punch yeah absolutely um and we talked about bernard um i know that first injury report won't come out until tomorrow but uh, if Giovanni does end up playing, how does that affect the running game with both Bernard and Hill out there? Well, I think uh, you know Giovanni will obviously get his touches. I mean, uh, it won't be so uh, you know it won't be like uh, the last couple of games where Jeremy's got the bulk of them. Mm-hmm. But I also think you know they use Giovanni in so many different ways, uh, you know, as a receiver, and uh, and and they have to without Tyler Eifert, without Marvin Jones, they have to find ways to let AJ breathe in the passing game. So. Uh, you know, I think that uh, even though Giovanni's playing, I still think Jeremy gets his uh, is going to get a, you know is going to get some carries. But this could be the first game where you really see a uh, balanced dose of it. Uh, you know, where I think uh, maybe you could see uh, each guy getting 13, 14, 15 carries. It's very important for these guys to keep Breeze off the field. You know, the best way to keep him off the field, obviously, is with your own offense, especially in that building. So I would think we're going to you know. Bengals are going to be heavy with the ground attack, I would think, and uh, and both guys are going to get their carries. Do you see Giovanni playing on Sunday, or is it too early to tell? I think it's too early to tell, but my sense is that uh, you know that he'll be back. But uh, I don't know anything. But my right. sense is that uh, you know he missed uh, he missed Jacksonville, he missed uh, he missed Cleveland. They've had a weekend off. You know that gives him about that's going to give him about three weeks. Uh, you know three weeks since uh, he got uh, dinged against Baltimore. I would think he'd be back, but you know stranger things have happened. Yep. And uh, Jeff, before I let you go, give me one or two keys for the Bengals that they wanted to leave New Orleans a winner on Sunday. 
got to keep Breeze off the field. You know, they have to they have to keep the ball. Uh, they've had a tough time matching up with tight ends. So, uh, you know, they got to keep the ball 34, 35 minutes. They have to run the ball like they haven't run the ball yet this season. I understand that New Orleans is down in pass defense, but they have to keep Breeze off the field. And, of course, the other the other big thing, obviously, is they got to contain Graham. I mean, they have had trouble with uh, tight ends, uh, starting, you know, with, with Olsen uh, from Carolina. Um you know they've uh, given up a lot of yards to these guys. The uh, uh, the New England tight ends went for uh, nearly 200 yards against them. Uh, so that's that's cl- the clear the clear thing. I mean, uh, you know, on offense they have to run it, and then on defense they just have to you know they have to uh, they just have to make sure. I mean, they, Graham is going to make his plays, but they got to make sure he doesn't go crazy. That's Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com, and uh, Jeff, thanks for the time, and I hope you enjoy your visit to the Big Easy this weekend. Always do. That's that's. That's always undefeated, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a certain spot when you come down here? All over the place. It's uh, the people are so nice down there. I mean, anywhere you go in, it's uh, you know, it's like no place. You know, it's like no place in America. It's like going to Europe. Uh, it's like going to Europe, uh, uh, but you're on the road in an NFL game. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you enjoy yourself and enjoy yourself this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks very much. Yep. When we come back, I'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Be at the Smoothie King Center to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take flight on Wednesday, November 12th at 7 p.m. when the Los Angeles Lakers come to town for Tobacco-Free Living Night. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off upon at 5.30 with music, inflatable games for the kids, appearances by Pierre the Pelican, Pelicans dance team members, and a whole bunch more. Tickets start as low as $24. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool, collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... (coughs) Not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. Really good show for you today. Our thanks to Jeff Hobson, Mark Spears, Monty Williams, and Anthony Davis for coming on the show. Don't forget, if you haven't downloaded the Pelicans app, make sure you do so and play the new game on there called Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. I've been seeing people tweeting and uh, posting on Facebook their scores, and I must say their scores are much larger than mine. I've been having trouble I guess I'm just really not good at the game, but it's pretty cool. They have some trivia questions there um, as you're on your quest to save the coast. So, again, make sure you download the Pelicans app and start playing that today. Really cool game. If you get bored of work a little bit, I'm not saying don't be productive. But, hey, if you want to take a break, the Pelicans app and the game, Quest for the Coast, is a great way to take a break from your everyday work. Sean Kelly will be back to host tomorrow's show as David Wesley will stop by, as he always does on a Wesley Wednesday. And we'll get his thoughts on the road trip and the game against L.A. And also every Wednesday we talk fantasy football. Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com will come on and help me set my lineup, even though my teams aren't really good, and help you set your lineups for the upcoming week as part of our Fantasy Focus presented by Xbox One. And we'll also have a very special guest in studio tomorrow, Holly Carney, wife of former Saints kicker John Carney, will come in, talk about her husband being inducted into the Saints Hall of Fame, 
She'll talk about her new book that is out, so you don't want to miss that on tomorrow's show and our other guest on the show. And we thank you for listening today and every day to the Black and Blue Report. Well, that will do it from Studio B. I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.